Good afternoon. Welcome to the second service. Are there any greetings uh, or announcements we missed this morning? Thank you. I'll just repeat that for those online. Um, Elijah just recently returned from out west, and the brethren there uh, extended greetings to us, specifically uh, Brother Don, Sister Annette, and Sable. I'll just repeat the announcements from this morning, and before I do that, I'd like to offer an apology for our late start this afternoon. We didn't take into account the financial report as well, and so everything got started a little bit later, so forgive us for not starting punctually. Just to recap from this morning, the focus of the month is uh, the European projects, uh, specifically the old age home in India and Serbia. There are cards uh, downstairs for the Bear Larry family on the loss of their mother, um, Ima, I believe, and uh, also for sister Ida, Ima's, Ima's Robbie's sister, sorry, my mistake, Ida. Uh, and uh, there's also a card there for sister Lily um, we're thankful that uh, she was able to experience baptism and to uh, become part of the family of God, even though she cannot gather here in church with us. Uh, just a, just a, a mention that Brother Doug uh, went to Regina this week because of the funeral um, of uh, Sister Katie Stark, and he stayed for Sunday there. He extends greetings to the church. And uh, this Wednesday, we're going to continue, I believe, with our Life in Christ series. Is there a specific passage? Okay, right. We'll continue with Matthew 15 where we left off, so from verses uh, 21 till the end of Matthew 15. Before we open the word of the Lord, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy word that's been preserved for us, and in spite of uh, a complex world and rapid technological advancement, the truths that we see reflected there are indeed timeless, and men and women ignore them to their peril. Heavenly Father, help us to see things in light of eternity, not to be lulled to sleep or tricked into short-term thinking, but to realize that one day one day we will see thee face to face. And it's so important what we do here below before we meet thee. Be with us now and open thy word unto us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The word of the Lord has opened to the first chapter of Paul's letter to the Colossians. Colossians chapter one. I'd like to begin reading with the first verse. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away, from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and that which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Wherefore, I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. I've read the entire chapter. <clears throat> Here we have another illustration before us of the church. This morning, Brother Edmund reflected on the church being that building that is built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And here Paul uses another metaphor. He refers to the church as the body of Christ. 
that's an interesting way to think of the church. It tells us things that I think any other metaphor would fall short. A building is a static thing, but a body, of course, is living and moving. He's referred to as the head. And of course, with our understanding of modern medicine, we understand the importance of the brain and how it controls and directs the body. But when we consider that we are his body, that has a lot of weight. First of all, it tells us that we're not all identical. The body is composed of all sorts of different types of tissue, organs with specific functions, muscles and bones and cartilage for structure and movement, touch at different levels, some very sensitive, and yet we're all part of this body. One of the first things that I think of when we think about the body and Christ being its head is the head feels what the body suffers. And that fact alone should cause us to stop and think for a while. We think about Christ in heaven risen at the right hand of God and that's correct, that's one way of thinking of him. But in another way, he's very much still here, connected to his body. He feels what we feel. Just yesterday I was cleaning some metal. I've got some metal cleaner. And I've used it before, and yeah, you're supposed to use gloves, but whatever, I'm only using a little bit of it. I know what the stuff's like, it sort of stains your fingers a bit, but not that bad. And so I started in with some steel wool and cleaning off the metal, and then I realized I had a small cut in one of my fingers. It felt like a knife got shoved into my hand, and I, 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 a little bit of rubbing alcohol in a cut, yeah, it stings a little bit, but this was, it must be a fairly strong acid in there or something like that. This was, was a little bit more intense, and it made me immediately focus on something that I didn't even know I had, an issue that I didn't even know I had. Alarm bells went off in my brain telling me that there was pain, and that pain was real, and I better pay attention to it. And so I looked and I washed it out, of course, and then kept going and finished what I was doing. But the point is this. It just underlined for me the fact that Christ is not a distant, disconnected, cosmic God that's removed from us in our struggles. Now, we talked also about some of the dangers of not building correctly this morning. But I want you to think about this also in another way. What happens when the messages from the brain are not going through to the members? I don't want to make a big issue of this, but all of you I'm sure are familiar with my, my dad's uh, condition. And you can see him struggle to get his body to do what he, what he wants it to do. 
there is a problem between where the signal is coming from and the member that's supposed to be moving. And I wonder if we could see with spiritual eyes what Christ's body looks like here, at least where we're concerned. Is it like a finely tuned athlete? Everything happening in the proper sequence for maximum efficiency? Or is it more, with, more like someone that's got a movement disorder that struggles to get things done in certain ways because of the limitations? It's easy to think of Christ's church as this glorious thing that's disconnected from my own local assembly and its issues or my own denomination and its problems. But the truth is, if we're all part of the body of Christ, the problems go with it as well. And that's why Apostle Paul had to write these letters. And some are very positive, others are much more severe. We're going through Corinthians now. Some of the other brothers are doing that. And I'm thankful for that because, you know, if it wasn't for those problem churches like the ones in Cor- the one in Corinth, there's a lot I wouldn't know about how God deals with his church and how patient he is. You know, when we injure ourselves, athletes sometimes say, like, tape up and play on, right? Just put something around it temporary and keep going. Well, that's a good way to get long-term injury, to ignore what your body is telling you. Normally what we do, though, if we've hurt ourselves, is we realize that there's damage done and it needs time to heal. And so I have to be careful and I have to, I have to maybe uh, support that part that's been injured, keep it clean, pay attention to it, look for signs of infection. Sometimes I think in our self-sufficient day and age, we're far too independent, far too unconcerned with the issues of others in other places. But that's not like a body. Like that little cut showed me, that little spot on my body can demand a lot of attention really quickly and I better tend to it. You know, what would have happened if that was, say, something hot and I put my hand on it and I didn't realize and I just left it there? There would be long-term damage. Scarring at least, maybe nerve damage. Burns can be very bad. That's what makes leprosy so awful, is the loss of sensation and so the risk of self-injury and infection. Of course, God never intended for the body of his son here below to be in a state of injury and disease. Those problems were to be the exception, not the rule. The, the, the picture of the body the parts of the body working together for common purpose as directed by the head is, is such a beautiful metaphor for the way that Christ's church is to operate. He is the one who created all things. The express communication of God that brought all things into existence. And then the one who got, made God known to us And as we understand 
him. As we understand what God is, has revealed to Christ, through Christ to us, we can have a, a deeper appreciation for who he is and what he's doing. What should naturally follow is desire to participate in that work. And as Paul writes to the believers in Colossae, it's, it's such a, um, a, a full and, and, and a heartwarming letter where he, he is not only encouraging them, but he's also telling them that he is encouraged by them in return. And you really get the sense of the fullness of, of the Apostle Paul, even though he was probably in a prison cell when he wrote this letter. What a contrast to our day and age when we have comfort and plenty. But I think we can all admit that we're lacking the fullness of joy that God really intends for his church. You know, when the body is working together properly, isn't there, isn't there a, a joy and an exultation in that? I remember, I remember as, a, as a young guy, too, you know, the exhilaration, say, of riding your bike and feeling the wind in your hair and pedaling as fast as you, you, you can, pushing yourself. There's, a, there's, a, there's an exultation in, in, in being used. I think this is also why people enjoy uh, athletics sports is that feeling of the, of the whole body being engaged of that commitment to an object even if it's an artificial one you know kicking a ball into a net or putting a ball through a hoop or something like that I mean that it's arbitrary but the point is that every physical and mental ability gets bent towards the accomplishing of that goal and especially in things like team sports where it involves others and you have these kind of miracles of timing that happen and the, these, 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 this sense of connectedness of individual people now, you know, that their bodies are finely tuned and connected and working together, but then they're working with other people. And it's such an interesting, uh, again, a metaphor, I think, for what the human body can accomplish and therefore what Christ's church should be accomplishing here instead of limping along. We are forgetting, I think, and this is perhaps why when the church is at its physical, physical weakest, then it's its spiritually strongest, because it realizes that, that that mystical body that is Christ's body here on earth, whatever gets in the way of Christ's body functioning here must be left, and even their lives become unimportant in light of that, that transcendent purpose <clears throat> why is it that things like suicide rates in the West are so high when we have so much? Why is there this lack? Why is there dissatisfaction? Why is there so much anxiety even among young people? You think they have so little danger, so little want and need. Everything is provided. How can they be so unhappy? You see, there's something more. A body lying in a hospital bed in a coma still has all the parts, but it's not functioning as it should. 
there's a there's consciousness but there's also spirit in an active body and it seems that in spite of physical plenty and and opportunities here people are sensing that lack of center a hollowness to life that makes people turn to things like drugs and other substances and so on and on one hand you could look at people like that and say well that's that's so self-destructive why would you do that that's not good for you yet as brother Evan mentioned this morning what bad habits what addictions what dependencies do we have that are getting in the way of functioning properly as the body of Christ I mentioned at the end of the sermon that <clears throat> I think most, most of the believers here would say that they would like to be filled with the Spirit of God. But again, to what end? To what end? The, the task that we are given, the the, the, the job, the focus, the goal that we are given is to reconcile the world to God. We've been given that ministry, it's called, the Ministry of Reconciliation. To help people realize what that emptiness inside of them really is. To give it a name. To explain it to them. To show them that, yes, I also tasted that before and I was miserable too, but I found something better. I found something worth living for. I found something that not only swallows up that, that emptiness, but turns me now instead, of, instead into a fountain, something that's giving forth something. And I want to share that with you. You know, the church has been referred to also as a mother. And that's a good metaphor for a church too. Because... A mother reproduces, she gives birth, and brings new life. And as we watch the influence and the numbers of the church in the West shrink, I think it's because the church is unhealthy. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. There isn't new life like there should be. There are those who are calling attention to the fact of coming demographic collapse in certain countries and even globally. There are some that think that we could be living at the time with the largest number of humans on this globe for a very long time. It may be downhill from here for quite a while. Calling it the unnamed or, or yeah, unnamed pandemic or, or epidemic, I think is the, the phrase that it was given. That's thought provoking. That's thought provoking. But is it really all that different from what's going on in the church? The church is not reproducing at the rate that it used to. And though there are revivals, it seems, in some places, in other places churches are closing or shrinking. That's not what Christ intends. And the good news is it can turn around very quickly. The disciples went from being 12 men cowering in an upper room 
and a few months later telling everyone in Jerusalem so that there were thousands saved in one day. That's not a mathematical model. That's a supernatural one. I believe it is possible today. I would like to see it here. I would like to see it in our denomination. But what's in the way? What's holding it back? I think we can say with the psalmist David, and it was quoted this morning, search me, O God, know my heart, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. We should be joyful people. Why? Because the mess that this world is doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Christ is coming back. There is a higher, nobler purpose in life than simply getting stuff. You know, they that uh, I remember as a young guy, someone, had, there, there was a bumper sticker that used to be popular that said, he who dies with the most toys wins. And I'm thinking, well, that's a pretty lame goal. You're still dead and you can't take any of it with you. It's just a justification for a selfish lifestyle. And a selfish lifestyle does not produce joy. That's been shown too many times over. So let's look within us. See where it is that we're holding back, perhaps, the working of the Spirit of God. We need to really desire, I believe, the filling of that Spirit. Not for our own benefits, but for what he can do through us, the change that can be made. I think this is why the lives of the great men of God and women of God of the past are so inspiring. You get a picture for what is possible when even ordinary men and women have their hearts turned towards God in such a way that they are willing to let anything go. And then you have the Charles Wesleys and the John Wesleys and the um, Hudson Taylors, the Jim Elliots, the George Muellers, and others. Because one small part of the body of Christ said, I want to be better connected to the head and I'll do whatever he wants me to do. May that be the desire of each one here and may the Lord add whatever was lacking to what was said. Amen. Would her brother please select a Hymn number 324, 324.
And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in heaven or in earth or, in or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Here's the mystery of the body of Christ. That he could take something like cancer cells and make them healthy, part of his body. Something that was against him, alienated from him, it says, separated from him, something of a different nature, and turn it into his own nature. This should give us all hope. Being added to the body of Christ does not require any prerequisites on your part. He provides what's needed. You know, in athletic contests, there's thresholds, levels. And I realized fairly early in my young life that there were certain levels that I would never attain, no matter how hard I practiced or tried. And I knew what it was like to not be a starter and all that. But with the body of Christ, it's different. 
It's not what natural ability you bring. It's what you become by being connected to him. Your handicaps, as they were, that kept you from doing certain things are no hindrance to his power. And as, as we become exercised by him, the truth is it's him that's flowing through us accomplishing those things. I don't know that we've seen yet what the body of Christ is truly capable of here below. We've seen it happen here and there. Uh, one day, uh, it will be all revealed. We know the Lord is coming soon. We know the end, it seems, is soon. But there, will there be one more, one more flash, one more outpouring of the Spirit of God? Will we see again what it was like in, in, in the days of the Acts when the church was young and vibrant, dynamic, muscular even, pushing into new areas, unhindered, in spite of resistance. I don't think the, the church in its current form is what Christ has in mind, but that doesn't mean it can't change. He's still the head. May the Lord add whatever was lacking to what was said. This concludes our service. Amen.